certainly have fears that there is a serial killer at loose in Perth. Sarah Spears, Jane Rimmer, Kira Glennon. And every time you saw a young girl walking by, you think, oh, God, is she going to be the next victim? WA gripped by fear. All members of Western Australia have got a responsibility because these are our daughters and sisters. Now, one man stands accused. If police are right and Edwards is the Claremont serial killer, he's been hiding in plain sight for 20 years. Welcome to day three of Claremont, the trial and conversation. A day when accused serial killer Bradley Edwards' first wife was called as a witness and the most intimate and salacious details of their marriage revealed. I'm Natalie Bonjolo. Also joining us from inside District Court tonight, we have the West's legal affairs editor, Tim Clark. Hi, Tim. Hi, guys. And welcome also to reporter Emily Moulton. And Emily, you're live blogging from inside the court every day. How does that actually work? Well, it involves a lot of um, blood, sweat and tears on my part. <laughs> um, basically, the, um, the the way it's been set up in the district court is there's two media rooms and there's one that's specifically um, set up for journalists who are working. And so um, the trial is actually live streamed into this room and I'm just set up with my laptop and, and basically listening to everything as it happens and typing as it happens as quickly as I can. Um, and basically, we we see pretty much the entire courtroom, um, but we don't get to see some of the exhibits or videos and things like that just because of the technology with, with the courts um, at the moment. But basically, when it's said, I'm sitting yeah. there just typing it out as quick as I can. And having a look at it today, that's just what's so amazing about this blog is the detail that you're able to include. I mean, I feel like we're seeing or hearing everything? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I'm trying to get as much as I can out as quick as I can. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the one great thing about digital technology is yeah. that you can, anyone can feel like they're there when they're not there just because it's basically instant instant information. So that's yeah. what we're trying to do with, with the blog and trying to, I guess, bring the courtroom to people who can't yep. actually physically be there. The world really has changed, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> and well, let's talk about some of those details uh, that did come out in court today. And um, I think, you know, obviously we had the first, the wife, the first wife who was a witness. What sort of questions uh, were being asked of her today, Tim? Well, as you, as you said, Nat, sort of quite intimate questions, but they were quite, um, um, they were directed to a certain um, strategy of the prosecution. I mean, they, they, they weren't just questions for no reason. And, and if they had been, the, the judge and probably the defence lawyer would have stood up and uh, said something about it. But she was basically taken through her relationship um, with Mr. Edwards um, from from start to finish. Um and uh, from basically from when they met to w w when and where they got married, the, the status of a relationship all the way through, and then the, the disintegration of the relationship and what happened after that. And the reason for that, ostensibly or, or, or most pointedly from the prosecution, is what we've discussed before about the, the, the motive, or the theory of the motive from the prosecution, which is that the emotional triggers or the emotional turmoil in Mr. Edwards' personal life was then driving driving him on to um, basically take out his frustrations on 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 lone women, and so the um, the, the details of that, the dates of that, the the lead up um, to, to those things were was what um, 
Miss Barbara Gallagher, the prosecutor, was was trying to get out of the witness, and also some other details about cars that he'd driven and and his appearance at certain times during their marriage, whether he had a beard or not, and things like that. So, I mean, that was. Um, that was the reason for it. Um, and whether it worked as well as Miss Barbara Gallo had, um, had, had anticipated or hoped, well, I mean, that, that's uh, I mean, that's for observers, um, like and most specifically the judge, to uh, to decide way down the track. And obviously, with some of these questions, they are so private. Um, how did she appear with with the questions, the witness? Uh, yeah, she was pretty. Um, she was pretty calm. Um, pretty. Um, pretty clipped in her answers i mean she wasn't a witness that you sometimes get that 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 the like to talk she was very specifically answering the question which is what judges like it's not what reporters like because we want all the color and the juice and the and the um you know and the and the the, the movement of, of sometimes what comes with um sort of personal witnesses um She's she's given, uh, we think, as many as four or five statements, official statements to police. So she'd be very used to right. answering questions about her first marriage now after the, the, the three years. And so I think that came through a little bit today in her evidence, the way she answered the questions. Um, and uh, She yeah, wasn't I'm in a, the courtroom, of course, was she? Correct. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, as Em said before, um, she was being sort of... Um, uh, talked to and um, cross-examined and questioned from a remote room in the court. Um, there's various reasons they do that. Um, you, you might not want to be in the same room yeah. um, as, as the accused, you might, and, but obviously this case being this case and this trial being this trial, it's a very intimidating atmosphere. There's lots of people, lots of eyes on you. And so the judge can agree to do that um, basically to preserve the sanctity of the evidence. I mean, he doesn't want people not clamming up or getting too upset or whatever. Yeah. So to, to, to make sure, as we've discussed before, that the whole process runs smoothly, um, she was obviously a, a allowed to do that. But we could see her on the screen as she was giving that evidence. So you do get the uh, body language as well as the, the verbal language. And I'm just curious with Bradley Edwards, is he watching that screen as well? We know he's got that screen in his eye line. Is he watching? Is he reacting to anything that she's saying during this examination? Um, not much that I could see. I've got to say, I'd love to love to be able to say that he was wincing and grimacing, and, and um, but he but he simply wasn't. I mean, he was listening intently as he has done all, all the way through so far. Um, but there was no uh, a real sort of um, physical or, or visceral, visceral reaction that, that I could see. He almost seems emotionless at, through the trial from what I've seen um, so far. Um, he doesn't, yeah, like there's been very little reaction uh, from, him, from him at all throughout this yeah. whole, whole process. She was questioned about their early relationship and an argument that they had. Was this prior to when they got married? Yes, it was. So, um, and and th th this is quite a, 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 a key moment because this argument is then said to have led to um, the emotional upset, which then led to Mr. Edwards um, uh, attacking the woman in in Hollywood Hospital. And, and this was just before they were married, and the argument was actually about whether they were going to get married. Um, right. So. Um, yeah, I mean, she was she was taken through that, um, and um, uh, that the argument itself. So she wasn't, but she wasn't then taken through what had happened the the day after. She yes. did raise it herself, but she wasn't um, questioned particularly hard about that, which again was was a little bit of a surprise to me. So, what was the Hollywood Hospital incident 
Tim? Um, so in 1990, Mr. Edwards was just about 21, just just older, and um, he had already already had his job as, as Telstra as a Telstra technician, and he was working there in what they call the PABX system, which is the internal switchboard, um, for for want of a better word. Um, he was working to either fix that or um, upgrade that or something, um, and. As we said, the night before that, he'd had the argument with his first wife, who was become his first wife, his partner at the time, about the status of the relationship, whether marriage was on the cards. They'd had a row, um, and, um, and he'd gone to work the next day quite upset about it. Um, he also had a, a bit of a mirror at work, couldn't get what he was doing um, fixed. Um, and then a, a lady who was working in the hospital as a social worker um um, he asked her where the toilet was. She had sort of quite, sort of, you know, not abruptly, but, you know, hadn't really engaged in conversation with him. Um, and according to what the court was told later on, um, this sort of tipped him over the edge and he basically attacked her from behind, grabbed her, tried to restrain her, dragged her back on her chair and was dragging her towards a toilet um, um, at the... In, in the area of the hospital, she managed to fight back um, and then ran to a ward next door, got the security guard who then basically made a sort of citizen's arrest or, you know, detained Mr. Edwards until the, until the police arrived. And when did his girlfriend find out that her boyfriend had done this? We assume after, but that wasn't actually explored today. Yeah, well, it, it, it was a little bit. I mean, she said that um, he usually uh, picked her up and dropped her off at work. And that was the only time that she yeah. could remember that he had he had basically left her stranded, and that was that was that day. And we know because he was in custody at the time. Um, so uh, yeah, that's how she's found out about that. Apparently, is that um, she had to get a bus home, um, then got got home, and then, as I say, wasn't really explored. But presumably, then she found out either from him or the, po- mm. the police later. Um, what he'd uh, what he'd done, and um, as we know, he's, he put his hand up for that right at the time. It was only a few days later that he actually appeared in court and, and, and pleaded guilty and was sentenced, and everything was was wrapped up very very quickly. And um, they went on to become married after that. Indeed, indeed, um, which is an an interesting sort yeah. of side note, but I think one that will be explored a little bit um, in, in a bit more depth a bit later on as to what, well, certainly the relationship maintained um, and almost as surprisingly his job maintained as yeah. well. I mean, he carried that attack out while he was in a professional capacity for Telstra, was given probation, was placed on a sex offender treatment program, um, but still maintained his job for uh, about another 28 years after wow. that. Was there any discipline at all in in from his work at the time? Do you know? We don't, we don't, we don't, know. We don't, don't know. know. We've never been told. We've ne- mm. we, and, and sort of Telstra have never been um, um, sort of brought up in the in the in the pretrials. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure it would be it would have, would have been a question that's certainly been asked yeah. since, but um, but no, that hasn't been explored um, in public as yet. And when did their marriage start to break down? And in what way? I, I understand he became quite obsessed with computers at some point. Yeah, she mentioned um, on on the stand today that when she was asked when when the relationship started to break down, and her answer was when the computer arrived. Right. So then she said that when he and then sort of um, Carmel Babagello was asking her 
what do you mean by the computer? And she said, oh, he, like, he brought home a computer and he used to just, at home, when he'd finish home, uh, get home from work, we'd have dinner and then he'd go straight to the room where the computer was set up and he'd just be on it all night. And then she'd say, some nights I'd go to bed on my own. And then um, she was asked, Miss um, Barbara Gell asked her a question, um, you know, did, was there any, ever time, any times where you, you woke up and he was still on it? And she said, yes. And, and then she was asked, like, did you see anything on the computer? She said, no, but I could just see the light was on. And so she, she said, sort of said that that's when it started, the relationship between the two just started to deteriorate. And then I think one of her quotes was that she felt like he wasn't interested in the marriage anymore, that he wasn't present. So therefore, she then I think sort of a, a few weeks, well, a few weeks, months later, she struck up this friendship with this other man. Right. And and she said it was just a friendship, but then obviously it progressed to something further. So that was the affair that was talked about today. Yes. Yes. They 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 brought up that as well today. So, um, Mr. Edwards' first wife was then asked about sort of when did this friendship start. And then when did it become a sexual relationship? Um, and obviously the man had moved into their house, so they had this, I guess, strange living arrangement where yeah. Mr Edwards and his first wife lived together and then the man who became her lover was also living there at the same time. And did he, do we know, did Bradley Edwards know that um, they were having an affair initially or not? Well, uh, it would appear that he, if he didn't know um, specifically, he certainly had his suspicions because it was sort of detailed today how at one stage he caught the um, his, this this man and and his wife um, hugging and kissing in the house where they were all living together, um, and so I mean, you you would imagine that would have been a signal to him that that, that something was something was afoot. Um, and as I said earlier, I mean, it's all very sort of interesting detail about the background to mm. this man. But this this all was leading, these questions were all leading to this sort of emotional turmoil yeah. timeline and, and where the prosecution wants to point to where they say these three critical sort of masses of emotional upset boiled up um, into where Mr. Edwards is alleged to have gone out and killed the, the three girls, and um, and that all that all that whole motive boils back to the Hollywood Hospital incident, where reports were done by psychologists um, uh, for the sentencing magistrate, um, and in those, Mr. Edwards actually told the psychologist, yes, it was because. I was upset because yeah. of the, the pressure from the marriage and the pressure from the um, from my then girlfriend um, as to marriage, um, and so that's where this whole um, theory um, stems from. So I guess following this timeline, they um, separate in what 1995. Yeah, uh, towards uh, the end of 95. Mm-hmm. And and then I understand um, there was significance in this invitation. So he's invited his. Um, ex-wife at this point to fireworks somewhere yes so um the, uh, the the first wife had actually moved out of the house to sort of take stock and and um you know so sort of have a think of what where her two relationships were going and which way she wanted to go and she'd moved down to her parents um place um south of perth um and she was living there at the time and mr edwards is said to have gone down there um on Australia Day, um, or that's what the prosecution said. So that's when the prosecution says he went. Um, uh, rocked up unannounced. 
asked, um, stayed for dinner, asked his ex-wife, um, estranged wife then, whether she wanted to attend a fireworks show, and um, she's rebuffed him. And uh, the prosecution point of that particular date as being significant because it was just hours later that Sarah Spears dif- disappeared from from Claremont, um, uh, never to be never to be seen again. Now I say that that's what the prosecution says because she the the, the, the witness today was was really vague on when even that. Uh, occasion was that um, that that, she, that her ex, uh, Mr. Edwards had asked her to the fireworks. She couldn't even pinpoint that it was on Australia Day. So um, that that vagueness um, was 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 no help really to the prosecutor because it it didn't help them pinpoint at all this this timeline. And and if anyone should remember um, that date, you would have thought it would be her. Although it is obviously many, many, many moons ago. Well, that's it. I mean, the average person, because of what happened the next morning, the news, you know, that um, Sarah had gone missing, most people or a lot of people can remember what they were doing. So it is interesting Mm. that the witness doesn't recall. It was also, she sort of didn't recall quite a lot of significant sort of moments that she was being asked about. Like she, she said that like when she was being taken through um, signing the the tight like title of the house like buying the house like she remember, she would say yes that's my signature but do you remember when this was and she'd be like no or when the house was sold she's like I don't remember remember specifically what date that was and just really I, I per, me personally would have thought something like selling your house would be a da- a date that you would remember but she was saying she couldn't remember yeah um, divorce papers as well yeah, she, yeah. Also, she couldn't remember signing those she couldn't remember who witnessed those she said yes that's my signature but no I don't remember in intimidating at- atmosphere in a courtroom uh, with she knows the eyes of the state are on her um, you know maybe, maybe she was just being honest that she absolutely couldn't remember and didn't didn't want to um, didn't want to speculate one thing that she was um quite clear was when she was being cross-examined with Paul Jovich that when he asked her about that conversation and when she when he asked her about what um the the atmosphere was like when Mr Edwards turned up at the house she said it was very civil the conversation was very civil um that they had dinner mm. and that like had dinner with her parents and that it was all fine and then when he asked her about Going like when Mr. Edwards had asked her about going to the fireworks, and she said, "Oh yes, he asked, but I just didn't feel like going. That's why I said no." So I, her responses to that I thought was also quite interesting today because obviously the the prosecution are painting this picture that you know she rebuffed him and he reacted in a way, but then on the stand she was very much no. It was very civil and and like like her saying no was just her saying no because she just didn't feel like going. And Em, you yeah. said before that um, you were saying before that she was very quite vague about when her ch- own child was conceived as well. I mean, yeah. maybe that would be something that you would remember. Yeah. So that was another sort of question that um, she was being asked by the prosecution was um, if she could remember, like um, as Tim was mentioning before, like everything, all the questions being asked to yeah. pinpoint to certain periods of time. And one um, period of time that she was asking about was. There was just this one bit because where I was sitting in in the media room, like we had this very close up of of um, Carmel Barbagello, and so she was asking um, Mr. Edwards' first wife, you know, when um, when she rem- like what at what point does she remember conceiving the child? And she'd said earlier, oh, I remember I felt found out I fell pregnant about April May that year in 1996, and then she said, oh. But um, can you remember when it, the baby was conceived? She said, oh, I can't remember. And then she said, well, when was the baby born? And she said, oh, December 20, 
1996, and she said, so, well, counting back, and then <laughs> then the, the woman said, well, she goes, oh, I can't, she said, oh, April or May, and then, like, we were all looking at it, and then we could see Carmel roll her eyes sort of backwards, <laughs> and it was just sort of, like, going, everyone's just going, it's nine months, like, because the other thing that she kept asking was, was the baby full term? She said, yes, the yes. baby was full term, so then she was, like, kept saying, oh, well, counting back, and then she just couldn't get to that, just, yeah, and... Obviously, the way that the, the lawyers have to ask questions is they can't be leading questions. They have right. to be direct questions, so therefore to, to elicit a direct answer. And that's why she kept going back to this time period. And throughout that sort of um, – throughout the whole sort of um, time on the stand with the prosecution, they kept trying to go back to this fireworks date and trying to get her to remember. Right. She kept asking her what was this – like, why were there fireworks on? She couldn't ask her, like – and she just couldn't say. She goes, I don't know. Like, there were just fireworks. And she couldn't say what specific event this was for. But So they were unable to establish at all that she was talking about the Australia exactly. Day fireworks. Yeah. Mm, correct. And the importance of the, the, the timeline for the pregnancy is that the prosecution say that it was uh, basically days after Mr um, Edwards had been told by his wife that she was pregnant to another man that he's gone out and committed the second murder. So once again, the timeline is very important for the motive and getting the times uh, right or, or trying to line them up is very important. If right. the prosecution wants to try and press this motive and once again, the vagueness about the date of the conception, I mean, obviously there's no doubt about the date of the birth and there's, <laughs> I don't, then there's no doubt about that Mr. Edwards wasn't the father. So he was given that news at some point. But Mr. Jovich, in his question, then cast um, big doubt on that because she had said that she remembered giving Mr. Edwards that news after she had moved in with the father of the baby at another house. Mr. Jovic was able to produce a document which showed that the gas at that house had not been switched on until the September. And he said, well, mm -hmm. do you think you'd be able to move into the house after the, before the gas had been switched on? And she, I mean, it was, it was a fair enough question with a, you know, prob a probable answer. Um, but if that was right, that, um, or that she was right that that news was given after, the, after she moved in, then that puts that date in September, which is way past when Miss um, Rimmer was when, was murdered. So, yes. um, a little bit like yesterday, the cut. You know, I mean, you're seeing a little bit of a cut and thrust and parry. And Mr. Jovic has been keeping his powder, you know, immensely dry, um, and he's just being able to have a little jab at some of these these things finally um and um i mean from my perspective the couple of jabs that he's um that he's uh, put out there have um have, have made some connection yeah i mean they can they can point to the dates um but i mean nailing them down and proving them i think he's from from what we've seen today might be a little bit trickier than they were than, than they were anticipating and a second witness was called today. This was a friend of the couple? Yeah, Karen McEnroy is her name. So she was a, a mutual friend of the couple that they met through, I guess, the first wife's interest in horses. Um, she's the, the first wife had testified earlier that she'd bought a horse um, and it, it kept it at, a, a, I guess, a paddock in Waddle Grove. 
um, and met this couple who they basically socialised. And this woman said today that they socialise quite regularly, um, just about every weekend at this point in time in their lives. Um, and um, I think Carrie, I think she sort of mentioned that there was like a few social occasions and then this woman was then asked about um, had the first wife ever... Uh, had she ever met the the man who then became came in between Mr Edwards and his first wife and how how she met him and and what she knew of him and she said that basically he was kind of like the fifth fifth wheel in this sort of <laughs> couple group because um, he basically was with them um, a lot of the time and I guess you must be sitting there when you know this witness for instance and you're sitting there looking for where it is they're going with this where are they leading to what's important about this what's significant. Um, but it's really just painting this picture of a very ordinary person. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean it is. I mean, and it's um, as a you know, if it was if it was in front of a jury, um, perhaps it would be a little bit more. Um, the, the questions would be a bit more pointed to make, try and make the point. But as we've said before, um, Judge Alone is a different is, is a different legal beast, and they're trying to really tease out the. Uh, the, uh, the nitty-gritty, the details, which then they will be able to present right in a way into, into the future in the closing arguments. Well, you know, the first wife said this and, and Ms McEnroy said this and, and, and really connect all the dots because as, as dramatic and as, as full of information as the openings were, that was just the, the, the picture on the jigsaw puzzle. And when it comes to the end and you have to try and, you know, repaint the picture with all the details that have been heard. Um, you, you need them all. You need all the pieces yeah. to be in place to be able to present that picture, um, which is which is what they're trying to do. And what are you both expecting in court tomorrow? Do you know who the next witnesses will be? It'll be a continuation. Well, yeah, well, we yeah. don't we don't we don't know for certain. But um, uh, um, Miss, Mrs. McEnroy's um, husband was 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 part of this friendship group. Um, and he's been mentioned quite extensively, so logically you would think it, it, it might be him, which is more details about the, um, you know, about the relationships and the the, the, the back and forths of, of 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 how they interacted over that time period. Um, and then we'll, yeah, we'll, we keep um, we keep rolling on. Um, we have been told that next Monday. Um, the um, so Mr. Edwards's first wife, the, the the man who got her pregnant, her, her lover at the time, um, he will be giving evidence on Monday. That's been locked in because he's giving evidence from overseas, and they have to book in a um, video link, um, and there was a, quite a significant time difference. So, um, so we know we, we know he's coming. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, some of the personalities of the uh, that were, were in the lives of, of Mr. Edwards um, and, and his and his loved ones at the time um, will be, um, yeah, will just be sort of um, slowly and and um, and painstakingly rolled out. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for your time today and and for your time in court today. And tomorrow you'll both be back again. And, and we can check your blogs on. Tomorrow. On the west.com.au. West.com.au. And also, uh, if you go onto that site, you'll be able to see never-before-seen images of Bradley Edwards, which has been released from today. So that's also on the west.com.au. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can join us tomorrow for day four of Claremont, the trial in conversation. This podcast was hosted by Natalie Bongiolo, produced by Kate Ryan and Alicia Preedy, and recorded in the studios of Seven West Media. Audio files were provided from the archives of the Seven Network and the West Australian. 
Sign up for daily emails and all the latest on the Claremont trial at thewest.com.au.